Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus spoke of a special intimacy that he had with the Father. A spiritual intimacy, a spiritual fellowship that he had. And Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Uh, This abundant life that Jesus experienced in his relationship with the Father, he wanted us to experience as well. And so I believe each and every one of us need that walk with Christ, that abundant life, uh, life to the full uh, that Jesus supplies us. And uh, that's the scripture that we're going to talk about tonight. Peter is going to put this in a little different way. He's going to um, talk about Jesus as a living stone, and we are living stones. There's a temple, a spiritual temple, that you and I as individual believers make up. Each one of us is a stone in that temple. And as we come to Christ, and as we receive this spiritual life and fellowship with Him, we're built up, we're strengthened, we're grown in our relationship with God so that we have this relationship with God that is part of Jesus' experience in Jesus' life. And uh, we need to, to come to Christ for that and intentionally share in that life. The time of my message is sharing in Jesus' life. Uh, look with me at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure spiritual milk, so that you may grow by it for your salvation, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. Coming to Him, a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen and valuable to God. You yourselves, as living stones, are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it is contained in Scripture, Look, I lay in Zion a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving... The stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone. And a stone to stumble over, and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the message they were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Sharing in Jesus' life, how do we do this? Uh, First of all, we need to share Jesus' delight. Uh, In verse 1, or excuse me, verse 2, it says, Like newborn infants desire the pure spiritual milk. The word spiritual Uh, in my translation, is translated in different ways in different translations. It's it's kind of an unusual word. Uh, 
Uh, but what it's speaking about, is, if you look back up in verse 1, is the Word of God. Because there was no division between chapters when the Word of God was originally written. That was given to help us out later on. Okay, we're, this is where we are. But uh, originally it was one flowing text. And chapter 1 went straight into chapter 2. So you have this, the, the Word of God remains forever. And he says earlier in chapter 1 that they were born by the Word of God. And so there is this power in the Word of God. But he says you need to desire or crave. The word is a, is a word for strong desire. You've got a little infant and they're hungry. They start chewing their fist, right? They get, you know, get fussy because why? They've got a desire. They need the milk. And so um, the same thing is to be true of you and I. We need to share the delight that Jesus had in God's Word. You know how I know Jesus had delight in God's Word? The Bible says that he grew in wisdom and stature, so he learned, just as you and I learn in his human nature. Um, and the Scripture says when he was age 12, he went to the temple and he began to reason with the doctors there in the temple. And they were amazed at his questions and amazed at his answers. He was only 12 years old. Jesus was asking questions that were making them think. He was giving answers that they, it just blew their mind. How could such an answer come from a 12-year-old boy? Jesus delighted in the Word of God. I love what uh, the soldiers sent to arrest Jesus uh, from the temple said to, to their uh, bosses when they came back to the temple, no one ever spoke like this man before. He, he, he opens the Word of God and, and we were just spellbound. We, we, we couldn't believe. What he was saying. Jesus quoted scripture all throughout uh, his earthly ministry. He was constantly quoting scripture. When he was tempted by the evil one, he quoted three scriptures from Deuteronomy. Howard Hendricks told his uh, class one time, if your spiritual victory depended on how much you know the book of Deuteronomy, how would you fare? Uh, and so uh, Jesus loved the Word of God. He delighted in the Word of God. And because he did, uh, he was able to use that scripture in every facet of his spiritual life. And it's a key to living in the abundant life. The Bible says that don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so. When you are in the Word of God, it renews you, it changes you, it conforms you to God rather than being conformed to the world. And, and as you deal with the sin in your life, you confess that to God, guess what? It opens up the fellowship. As you learn what it means, as you read the stories about people who've trusted God and, and you learn how to trust God, it shows you how to live the life of faith. And guess what? It draws you closer uh, in, in walking in that abundant life. And so God's Word trains us how to walk in His strength. It, it trains us in how to live this, the Christian life. And so uh, if there's something you are to desire as a Christian, desire the Word of God. You say, well, that's fine and good, but how do I choose what I desire? There's some things I like and there's some things I don't like. Uh, my mother used to tell me, 
when I was little, if you eat these peas, you'll like them when you're an adult. She lied. I still don't like them today. But uh, it is, it is uh, <laughs> when you uh, crave the Word of God, it will make a, tr- a true difference in your life. So how do, you, how do you develop that craving? Well, it's something that is spiritual. And so you can ask God, Lord, give me a heart for your Word. Give me a hunger for your Word. Another way to develop a hunger for God's Word is to understand how useful it is. Um, God told uh, Timothy through the Apostle Paul that uh, God's Word is profitable for doctrine or teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you know we could make it without church growth experts if we had the Word of God? Thoroughly equipped. You can make it in your Christian life. It doesn't matter what your circumstances. If you have the Word of God in your life, it trains you how to deal with circumstances, how to view things in your life, how to take your worries to the Lord and find His peace. All of these things are found in the Word of God. Joy in your relationship with God. It's amazing to me how sometimes in, in my Christian walk, I've, I've gotten away from the Lord in some way and maybe not even known exactly how I did. And I come to the Word of God and God begins to convict me about a sin in my life. And yet, yes, the relationship is restored. I was blessed uh, shortly after I was saved that uh, my parents, uh, and I think you do have to be saved to have a craving for the Word of God. Uh, that's a spiritual thing. But my parents taught me the importance of the Word of God. This is so important. This, you know, if you focus on anything, focus on the Word of God. And, and, um, and I did that. And at first, it was hard. You know, I read through, uh, read through the Bible because my dad offered me 50 bucks as, a, as an 11-year-old. And uh, so I started, I didn't finish as an 11-year-old, but I, I started as an 11-year-old. And uh, I went through Leviticus and Numbers and you know, some of those chapters, I, there might be just one or two things that made any sense to me whatsoever. But I invested that time, and what I found was the more I learned of God's Word over time, the more I began to love it. And, 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 and I found the deeper that I've gone, the more rich and wonderful it is. So that now, I, it's exciting to me. I... Praise God, I get to get up in the morning and study the Word of God. I can't believe I get to do that. Somebody pays me for it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Now, you get a dividend too. Somebody's going to send it to the church. I want my check. You know? <laughs> That's not the kind of dividend I'm talking about. But there is a payoff. When you invest your life, in the Word of God, it will reap dividends in your personal walk with God, in your relationships with other people. Uh, it will reap dividends in your workplace. Wisdom. I, Proverbs, somebody told me, probably my dad, told me to spend time in Proverbs as a teenager because it would help me to make good decisions. There is so much practical wisdom in Proverbs. Keep your mouth shut. That is a great advice. <laughs> and, one of the things I learned in Proverbs, 
be diligent in your work. Work hard. Do a good job. Uh, why? Because the soul of the diligent will be made fat. That just mean, that doesn't mean you're going to be. It just means that you'll have a rich life. Why? When you work hard, you you reap the benefits of that, of that labor. Uh, and so you all of these things. The word of God touches every area, every facet of life. So we were talking about dog attacks the other day at home and. I was reading a book about, about different, different problems that you may come across. And anyway, uh, I was talking with Megan about it, and, and I said, yeah. I said, the Bible says that if, if your animal bites somebody the first time, you're responsible to, to tie it up. But if it hurts somebody the second time, then you're responsible for it and uh, morally held and legally held liable for it. And Megan said, well, God's Word has something to say just about, just about everything, doesn't it? I said, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, every facet of life, it is amazing. The wisdom and the riches that are found in God's Word. So share Jesus' delight and you will learn how to share his life and that abundant life. Um, ask God to give you that heart and the Spirit to fill you with that desire. Secondly, share Jesus' priority. Share Jesus' priority. Look at verse 4. Coming to him, speaking of us coming to him, Jesus, a living stone rejected by men but chosen and valuable to God. Rejected by men but chosen and valuable to God. What does that say about Jesus' priority? Jesus cared more about what God thought than he did about what men thought. You know that because he said some very politically incorrect things for his day. He called the religious leaders, who were also the governmental leaders, by the way, of that day, a, a bunch of snakes and whitewashed tombs. He said, you look good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. I mean, he, he was not worried about offending people. Why? Because he wanted them to recognize the sinful condition of their heart so that they could find forgiveness and know eternal life. He cared more about what God thought than what men thought. He was rejected by men. Listen, I want to tell you something. The Bible says if, if you live godly in Christ, you will suffer persecution. There will be some people that don't like you. There will be some people who reject you. It, it, it's just the way it is. Um, I've told you the story about the guy I witnessed to the next day at, at work. He sat on the opposite side of the table. It's just, you might as well expect it. There will be some people who won't appreciate it. Some people will. But regardless of how people respond to me, I want God to respond to me the right way. And uh, I can, I remember, I, I spent about a year wrestling over whether or not I should be saved. Why? Because I cared about what people thought. Well, what are they going to say? They think I'm already saved. And God had shown me I was lost. What are they going to think if I go up there? All, all of them think I'm saved. And this was a sincere worry. And I, I mean, I, I know now that they'd all be happy for me. But at the time, it was a real issue for me. 
Eventually, I, I, somebody said, well, if, if your heart's not right, if you don't want to repent, ask God to give you a heart to repent. So I prayed for that. Apparently, God answered that prayer. And uh, eventually, I surrendered to the Lord. And there was a difference in the way I viewed things. And uh, uh, I cared a whole lot less what people thought than what Jesus thought. Now, I'm not saying I'm not, I don't ever think about what people think. I do. But... Um, that is something that we're to do. We're to share Jesus' priorities. You ought to care more about what Christ thinks than you care about what your spouse thinks. You ought to care more about what Christ thinks than you care about what your kids think. You ought to care more about what Christ thinks than you think about what your friends think. Or what people out in the community think. Jesus spoke the truth. And because he spoke the truth, people were set free. There were also some people who rejected him. But here's the difference. When you're rejected for Christ, this is what God says, you are chosen and valuable to God. This is, he's saying this about Jesus, but he's also, look at what he says. Look at verse 5. You yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And he's talking about the one who believes in him in verse 6. And Jesus will never be put to shame. He's not talking about how others think of us, but how God ultimately will receive us and reward us for faithfulness to him. So... Share Jesus' priority. Put Christ first in your life. Jesus is more important than anything else in your life. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say the church is more important than anything else in your life. Jesus is more important than anything else in your life. Um, sometimes people get that flip-flopped. Um, if you put the church first, what you're going to find is that you're going to get burned out and you're going to lose your joy. Don't do that. Put Jesus first. <laughs> and when you put Jesus first, it gives you the freedom to say yes, no, maybe so uh, in, in your service in the church. And you follow God's leading as to what you're supposed to do because guess what? You won't please everybody in church either. There will be times that people won't, may not appreciate what you do or appreciate what you say. Um, but if you're seeking to please Christ, you won't lose your joy. Um, so, uh, put Jesus first in what you do. And, and one reason that is so important is that, it, first of all, it's a sin not to. You know what the first two Ten Commandments are? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make an idol in the form of anything. First two commandments. Why? Because God knew that those are the first two things that most of them were going to do. <laughs> They're the same as us. Uh, I think I forget. I think it was Calvin. He's it was either Luther or Calvin. I forget which one. He said our hearts are idol factories, and I think he's right. It is so subtle in our lives that we begin to put other things. It may be family, it may be our work, it may be leisure activity, whatever it might be. We begin to put other things before Christ. 
And what happens is when we do that, not only is it a sin, but we rob ourselves of the abundant life. You can't put something else before God and have the joy of the Lord. It doesn't work. And so uh, share Jesus' priority and recognize we're not living ultimately for this life anyway. This life is a vapor and it's over. Eternity is forever. Uh, one day, Jesus is coming back. And we're going, those of us who, who have gone to be with the Lord already, our bodies will be raised up, transformed into glorified bodies. And then the rest who are still here will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord and things will never be the same. We will have gone from face to sight. What a joy that will be. When you put Jesus first in your life, what happens is you, you lay up treasure in heaven. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. He'll love the one and hate the other, hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. It's not only God and money, it's God or anything else. Um, so make sure you share Jesus' priority. It's so important. If you want to share in the abundant life, put Jesus first. How do you do that? Again, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me, quicken me, strengthen me, however, however you want to say it. Help! <laughs> uh, help me. I'm not putting God first. I confess that. Quicken me. Fill me so that I can bring glory to the Lord and put him first in my life. Live through me that life that honors God. And God loves, loves to answer that prayer. So, first of all, share Jesus' delight. How do you share in Jesus' life? Share Jesus' delight. Share Jesus' priority. Thirdly, share Jesus' honor. I love this. Verse 7, so honor will come to you who believe. Now, he's going to talk about the unbelieving. Through their decision to reject Christ, they're destined to stumble over Christ. There's a lot of people who can't stand Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who stumble over Christianity, uh, who get mad when you pray in Jesus' name. Franklin Graham, they didn't want him to pray at the inauguration because he prays in Jesus' name. But when you put your trust in Christ, when you receive Christ into your life, the honor is for you. What does he mean by that? I, I watched the inauguration back a, a few weeks ago, and uh, one of the things I noticed was not only was President Trump honored, in the inauguration, but his family was. Did you notice that? His his wife, his uh, his son, uh, others in his family were there. They were all honored. They were all uh, given this same honor. Guess what? Every one of his immediate family members is protected by the Secret Service. They may not be president, but they're protected by the Secret Service. Um, they're honored. Why? Because they're part of Trump's family. When you put your trust in Christ, guess whose family you're a part of? The Lord Jesus. Um, when I was in the military, I got a ribbon for Desert Storm. But I have a confession to make. I never fought in Desert Storm. Why did I get a ribbon? ribbon? Because we still had some people over in Saudi Arabia 
and in that area who were kind of keeping order and so forth after the war was over. And so they considered that part uh, to be a part of the Desert Storm operation. And even though I wasn't over there, I got a ribbon for it. Why? Because I was a part of the same Air Force. Guess what? I'm part of the army of the Lord. Jesus won the decisive battle. But I'm a soldier. I've been told in Ephesians 6 to take up my armor, to fight the good fight of faith. I'm part of his army. So I share in his army. And one day when my Savior comes back on a white horse, I'll be coming back with him. This is not the rapture. This is the second coming. I'll be coming back on the clouds of heaven with Jesus Christ. And so will you who know Christ. Sharing in his honor. Sharing in his victory. The scripture says we will reign with Christ. Why? We share in his honor. You ever wonder why we get rewards for the things we do here? All the credit goes to Jesus Christ. He's the one who saved us. None of us would do anything good for God without him. He's the one who gives us his Holy Spirit. If you've done something good for God, if there's something praiseworthy in your life, it's because of the Holy Spirit of God who lives through your life to honor Christ. Everything we have and everything we are is due to him. But, because we put our faith in Christ, he shares the honor with us. And that's what part of those rewards are. It, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a grace of God that he gives us those rewards. So, uh, <clears throat> share Jesus' honor. Now, it's not so much that you have to choose to do this because you actually do share Jesus' honor. If you're a child of God, you're a part of his family, you're a part of the army of the Lord, uh, and you will share this honor. However, you can share this honor in a more meaningful way by walking closer with him. Because guess what? When you're walking closer with him, you experience that abundant life. Sometimes you have a gift. Uh, uh, I'm not necessarily recommending this movie, but uh, in the Christmas vacation, Clark Griswold is up in the attic, and he finds a, a present from a former year and he's dust, dusting it off and so forth and is excited to have found these old presents that have been hidden in the attic. You know, a lot of people, Christians are like that. They, they've been given a gift from God to walk with God in sweet fellowship, but they never open the gift. Share the honor that Christ has given you by drawing close to him uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as you come, come to the Lord in your quiet time, ask God to speak to you through his word. Keep your sins confessed. Take your burdens to him. Ask God to speak to your heart as you draw near to him. When you come to church, that's a great thing to do as well. Ask God, Lord, speak to me through the message. Lord, lift me up. Help me to worship you. And, and invite God to help you be a part of it so that you can draw near and experience his joy. So share Jesus' honor. Sharing in Jesus' life. How do you do it? Share Jesus' delight. Share Jesus' priority. Share Jesus' honor. And finally, share Jesus' praise. Look at verse 9. I love this. This, by the way, is another way that the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament people of God. We've been grafted into Israel, but as uh, 
as one scripture says, uh, true Israel are those not only that are born after the seed of Abraham, but those who are uh, sons and daughters who have put their trust in God just like Abraham did. You and I have been grafted into Israel. So these words that were said in the Old Testament of Israel are now said of us. Look at verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love that scripture in Isaiah where God says, I have called you, fear not, I have called you by name. You are mine. I'm going to tell you something. On Calvary's cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, the price was paid for me to become a child of God. And when I took that step of surrender and trust in Jesus Christ, I was adopted into the family of God, and now I'm God's child. I'm a citizen of heaven. I belong to the Lord. Scripture says elsewhere, uh, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. The blood of Jesus. We belong to the Lord. Um, one of my kids was talking about, uh, I don't want to have to change a diaper. And uh, Sherry told him, it's different when they're yours. I want to tell you something. God looks at you differently because of the blood of Jesus. You are his. He cares for you. He, he cleans you up. That's what the washing of the feet that Jesus did symbolize. We, we, we're clean through the word of God and through our, our faith in Jesus Christ and the cross the price he paid at the cross. But Jesus also washes us. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And guess what? He didn't mind doing it. We're his. So, share Jesus' praise. Thank God for the blessing that you have. You're the chosen people of God. That, that ought to blow your mind. Before eternity, uh, before eternity, before creation started, God had you and me on his heart and mind. And we were the chosen people of God. He chose to save you. I, I like what God says. It, and I think this, this idea of being chosen is important because God says, it's not that God is excluding people. He, the Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. God wants every person to be saved, and Jesus Christ died for all. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But the flip side of that is that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can know that personally God has chosen to save you. It's like the, the two little boys. One little boy was saying to the other little boy, uh, I feel sorry for you because you're adopted. The other little boy said, why do you feel sorry for me? He said, my parents chose me. Your parents are stuck with you. 
That's the idea. You are chosen by the living God. What a wonderful thought. You have been made his priests. You can go to the throne room of God in prayer. You can share the word of God with others as we did a couple weeks ago. Uh, you, we're part of a holy nation. A people for his possession so that we can proclaim his praises. The one who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You ought to praise God that he's delivered you from darkness. I'll be honest with you. I don't know where I would be today were it not for the decision to put my faith in Christ and the change that he's made in my life. I don't know if I'd be here today. Praise God for that deliverance. And, And praise God for the deliverance that continues. By the way, you're a child of God. You are delivered. You, Satan has no hold on you and no authority over your life. That's why we can say in, Je- in the name of Jesus Christ, leave. Why? He has no authority over us. We are the children of God. We're bought with the blood of Jesus. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved son. And the devil has no authority over us. So in Christ's name, he must flee when we resist him. What a great blessing. Thank God for it. The Bible says uh, many of the troubles of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. But the Bible says uh, that the way of the transgressor is hard. What, what, what hardness of life, what difficulty in life have we been delivered from because we know Jesus Christ. What consequences for sin have we avoided because Christ delivered us out of it? You begin to think about it. I think one day we get to heaven. It's hard to wrap our minds around it now, but one day when we get to heaven, it's going to be an amazing thing to see what God did and what God delivered us from. He says, uh, you were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. I believe there's a place in every person's heart that only God can satisfy. The scripture says that we find joy in his presence. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, and then all these other character qualities that flow from the love of God uh, in us. So the joy is found in a relationship with him. The abundant life is found in a relationship with him. Praise God for it. I like the old Gaither song, The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. This happy face I'm wearing, Jesus put it there to say, The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. See, I may not always be happy as a child of God, but I have the joy of the Lord in my heart, and Satan can't take it away. God has given it to me. The light of his presence, the hope, the future hope. Not only has that light shone in our hearts in a relationship, but it gives us a hope for the future. It just gets better from here. I want to tell you something. Being a child of God is the most wonderful thing in the world. Because not only are we forgiven for our sin, not only do we have the ability to enjoy a relationship with God, abundant life here, but every day 
is one day closer to the kingdom for Jesus comes back. And the Bible says the best that we experience here, this light and momentary suffering, which is the worst that could happen to us here, is not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory. Eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. We see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. The hope that we have is amazing. Uh, I was talking with Wally Broadwell this, this morning. I think it was this morning. And uh, uh, he, I was telling him about my, my allergy, and he said, yeah, he said, there's old ailments, and we were talking about that. And I said, but one of these days I'm getting an upgrade. I want to tell you something. Being a child of God is an amazing thing. And when they persecute you, guess what they do? They lay up treasure in heaven for you. If they kill you, they promote you to glory. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I want to tell you, there is victory in being a child of God. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise him for it. Worship him. Lord, how great you are. How good you are. How loving you are. How merciful you are. What a God we have. We don't deserve one good thing from his hand, and yet he showers us with blessing. Share in Jesus' praise. That's one of the ways we draw near. We've been talking about that into his courts of thanksgiving, and, or into his gates of thanksgiving, into his courts of praise. Share Jesus' praise, and it will help you to enjoy the abundant life. Adrian Rogers used to say, are you humbly grateful or are you grumbly hateful? A lot of times we're grumbly hateful, aren't we? Let there be a shift and be humbly grateful. And what you'll find is as you begin to thank God and praise God in your life, your attitude will shift and the joy of the Lord can be yours in the middle of the bad circumstances that you're going through. It's an amazing thing. So share in Jesus' praise. Just make a choice. Every day that I live, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to find something to thank God for. I'm going to find something to praise God for. And I'm going to be a person who shares Jesus' praise. Share Jesus' life. How do you do it? Share Jesus' delight, the Word of God. Share Jesus' priority. Put God first. Share Jesus' honor. Choose to walk in the fullness of the blessings He's given you and hope in what's yet to come. And share Jesus' praise. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I, I just pray, God, that in our lives we would do these things. We would share in the life of Jesus by sharing in his praise and sharing in his honor. and uh, All of these things, God. And if there's somebody here tonight that does not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior, I pray that before they leave this place here tonight, they would make that decision so that they can enter into a relationship with Jesus and begin to walk in this life that we've been talking about. Father, give us your grace. Lord, we don't have the wisdom to understand it. We don't have the power to do it. We are totally dependent upon you. Fill us, Father, with your spirit. Help us walk in Christ, uh, abiding in him, so that your life,